You know, I'm really amazed. Obviously, I understand not every uh, Christmas song that is being sung during the Christmas season um, is what we would call a Christian song, but uh, it really does amaze me how um, people can sing Christmas songs like Silent Night and uh, these different ones and just totally miss the message of the song, right? Uh, totally miss that it's, that it's all about Jesus Christ and uh, the message of a Redeemer and that we need uh, someone to save us. We need someone to redeem us from our sins and uh, they just miss it, right? Just totally miss it. Um, but at sa- the same time, so many times we sing songs, right? And we totally miss out on the meaning. We don't think about the words, we just sing it, right? And uh, that's why it's great to sing, but um, we really need to think about the words that we're singing as well. Um, that is not part of my message tonight. I just thought I'd throw that in there for you. So, uh, Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter number 18. Acts chapter number 18. Acts chapter 18. Have you ever, um, you ever been discouraged before? Anybody ever been discouraged? Only about five of us. Wow. We need to talk to the rest of you. So. <laughs> I know, we've all gone through discouragement. We've all gone through difficulties. Um, you know, even sometimes just feeling like, you know, it's just, you know, what's, what's the point of it? Uh, what's the point of going on? Um, wouldn't it be just easier to, to quit? And, um, you know, our, our theme this year is taken from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And uh, somebody actually asked me the other day, he's like, when are you actually going to get to Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10? I said, well, maybe about the middle of next year we might be there. <laughs> but eventually we'll get to it, right? Um, but just, again, our desire this year is to focus on strength, being strong, but not, not in our own power, not in our own strength, uh, but to be strong in the Lord. And uh, I enjoy, always like it when the young people quote the theme verse. I like it when they quote any verses, but um, there's usually somebody that will quote the theme verse uh, on a Sunday night. And it's just a reminder, right? Reminder, be strong in the Lord, be strong in the Lord. Um, it's one of the reasons why we do the little bracelets and we have the calendars. And we do all those things just to, to try to constantly be reminding ourselves of these things, right? Because we, we do, we constantly need to be reminded, okay? Um, and uh, in, in Acts chapter 18, I think we look in this passage, I think it'll um, maybe bring some encouragement to us of strength in weakness, uh, some strength in weakness. In Acts chapter 18, he says, in verse number one, after these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew uh, named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy, with his wife Priscilla, uh, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome. And came unto them, and because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought uh, by their occupation. They were tent makers. And, by, uh, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come to Macedonia, come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was, what's the next word? Christ. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, He shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth I will go into the Gentiles. 
And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshipped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. I want you to notice back up in, back up in verse number six. Verse number six, he said, uh, And he said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth I will go unto the Gentiles. In verse number six, we find they're opposing the preaching of the word of God. They're opposing the teaching that Jesus was Christ. They're opposing these things. And Paul, basically, I think if, if we could see Paul, I think Paul would basically just say, you know what? I'm done with you. I'm done with you. But yet, in verse number 11, it says he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. So in verse number 6, Paul is like, you know what, I am so fed up with you people, I am done. You know, your blood is upon your own heads, right? This is your fault. You, this is on you. I'm finished. But in verse number 11, it says he continued there a year and a half. Something happened, right? Something happened between verse number 6 and verse number 11, In verse number 6, he's like, I'm done, I'm fed up, I'm finished with you people. And then verse number 11, it says he stayed there for another year and a half. Something happened. As Paul comes to Corinth, we see, I would say, what many of us would feel sometimes, sometimes on a daily basis, right? We feel inadequate to do the work of God. Would we not say that? We feel inadequate. You know, you know, we hear, well, I'm supposed to tell people about Jesus, but I just, I don't feel, I just don't feel 100% equipped, adequate to be able to do that, right? Um, you know, man, you know, I, we, need to, we need Sunday school teachers, or we need junior church teachers, or master club teachers. Like, I just, you know, it sounds good, and I know there's a need there, but I just, I don't feel adequate I don't feel capable I don't feel like that I have what it takes and on a daily basis we can feel inadequate we can feel that weakness in doing God's work thinking maybe we don't have what it takes we're inadequate thinking maybe it's not worth it or fear of the unknown right have you ever felt that the fear of the unknown well I don't know what's going to happen right I know maybe I should tell somebody about Jesus, but I don't, are they going to cuss me out? Are they going to slam a door in my face? Are they, am I going to get fired over this? You know, we have that fear of the unknown, and so many times it's almost like, well, I just, maybe I just won't do anything. And I think we find this is kind of what Paul is going through here, right? Um, I think Paul actually gives us a little bit more insight personally in his own life about how he felt when he came to Corinth, right? So he's come from Athens, and he's come to Corinth. He's been teaching, and he's been preaching, and it says they opposed themselves. They blasphemed, right? They, they were just, they wanted nothing to do with Paul. They wanted nothing to do with what he was teaching and preaching. And, and no doubt this affected Paul, 
right? Um, I, I know it, if, it affects all of us that way. When we try to give the gospel to someone, our desire in giving the gospel to them is because we want them to know Jesus. And then when they reject it or when they take that track or that invite and they tear it up or they throw it away, we, we, don't, we don't feel very good about that, do we? We feel like, oh, man, that's, that's not what I wanted. I wanted them to get saved. I wanted them to come to know Jesus. And, and yet there's this sense of we're just not really sure what's going on with it. If you go hold your place here in Acts chapter 18 and go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. In 1 Corinthians, of course, this is where Paul is at this time in Acts. So the book of 1 Corinthians is written later, right? This is much later uh, in Paul's ministry journey. But when he writes back to the church of Corinth, he actually gives us a little bit of an insight of what he was personally feeling during this time in Corinth, right? So look in Acts chapter 2, and notice what he says in verse number 3. And he says, and I was with you in, what's that next word? And in, what's that next word? Now, wait, hold on a second. Are you reading the same Bible I'm reading? I mean, this, this letter of 1 Corinthians is by the Apostle Paul. The great Apostle Paul. I mean, the one that we would say is probably the, other than Jesus Christ, the greatest missionary that's ever lived. This is the great Apostle Paul. And he says, hey, let me tell you something. When I was in Corinth, I, I didn't feel up to it. He says, when I was with you, he says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. You know what that makes me feel? That makes me feel better. <laughs> Honestly, that makes me feel better. Because I'm like, you know, sometimes we can look at these guys in the Bible and think, man, they are so spiritual. I mean, there's just, there's just no way we could ever compare to them. And then we read a verse like that, and Paul's like, by the way, I was scared to death. And I was weak. And I was afraid. And I was trembling. In fact, he goes on, he says, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words. You know, sometimes we get this idea that there has to be certain words that we say, right? If I'm going to talk to somebody about Jesus, there ha there, I have to use certain words. Paul says, you know what? I, I didn't have that. I didn't use enticing words. I didn't have great words. He said, I was, I was scared. I was in weakness. He says, my speech, my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. He said, when I look back and I see what God did, he, you know what he says? I see that God was able to use me because of my weakness. God was able to use me because I was afraid. God was able to use me because... I was trembling. God was able to, he said, man, the, the preaching and the teaching, he said, it wasn't, I didn't have great words to say. He said, it was just what, what I was able to preach and, and how I was able to stay there for a year and a half. He said, that was all God. That was all God. That was strength and weakness. 
God enabling Paul through, just like you and I, through fear and trembling and weakness, enabling him to do something that, let's be honest, when we read in Acts, it seems like in verse number six, he didn't want to do it. He said, I am done. I am fed up. Now, why would Paul say that? Let's just, let's just think about that this evening, right? Why would Paul say, I am fed up? Why would he say, I am done, right? Well, let's just, let's just think through a little bit about what Paul went through. Well, in, in Acts chapter 9, in verse number 23, Paul is threatened in Damascus. Now again, remember, all Paul is trying to do is trying to teach the word of God. He's trying to tell people about Jesus. That's all he's trying to do. So in Acts chapter 9, after he gets saved... He's threatened with his life in Damascus. Then he goes to Jerusalem in verse 29 of Acts 9, and he's threatened in Jerusalem with his life. In Acts chapter 13, he's persecuted, and he's run out of Antioch of Pisidia. So he goes to preach the gospel. He's persecuted. He's run out of it. In chapter 14, he is threatened in Iconium. He's threatened preaching the word of God. In chapter 14, verse number 19, he is stoned and left for dead. Sounds encouraging, right? Stoned, left for dead. In Acts chapter 15, verse 39, his, his, his closest friends depart, his closest friends leave him. In Acts chapter 16, verse 23, he's beaten with rods and imprisoned in Philippi. In Acts chapter 16, verse number 39, he's run out of Philippi. In Acts chapter 17, he is threatened in Thessalonica. Later in Acts chapter 17, he's forced to leave Berea. In Acts chapter 17, just before this, he is mocked in Athens. Do you get the idea that Paul is like, you know what, I think I'm just done. I mean, everywhere I go to try to give the gospel, nobody wants to hear it. Everywhere I go, I'm trying to give the gospel, I'm trying to tell people about Jesus, I'm just doing what God told me to do. This wasn't Paul's idea to do this. This was God's. God, you're the one that told me to do this. And I'm threatened in Damascus, and I'm threatened in Jerusalem, and I'm run out of Iconium, and I'm stoned in Lystra, and, and all these different places. All these things are happening. And he finally comes to Corinth, and he's here in Corinth, and he's preaching, and these people start accusing him of, 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 of all kinds of things, and they start blaspheming, and they're opposing him. And he just finally says, you know what? Your blood be upon your own heads. I don't know if that was the most spiritual thing that Paul would say, right? But I think we kind of get an idea of just all that he was going through, just the pressure. And that's why he says, when I came to Corinth, I was in weakness. I mean, all these places he'd been threatened. I mean, he'd been stoned and left for dead before. He'd been beaten with rods in Philippi just a, a short time previous to him coming to Corinth, imprisoned countless times. He says, you know what, I'm, I think I'm just done. And he comes to Corinth. And again, he's being opposed when he tries to do what God has called him to do. And he gets so frustrated that they won't believe. He just says, fine, have it your way. But in verse number 11, <laughs> Paul ends up staying there a year and a half. Preaching and teaching the word of God. 
So what happened? There's some really important verses between verse 6 and 11 if you haven't figured that out yet. Really important verses. You know, it's very similar when you go back to the book of Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 20, we find a very similar case with Jeremiah. God told Jeremiah to preach, and Jeremiah's preaching, and nobody's listening. Nobody cares. Nobody's, nobody's believing. In fact, Jeremiah is, is basically beaten. Uh, he's put into stocks in chapter 20. Everybody's mocking him, and basically Jeremiah says the same thing, like Paul said. You know what? I'm done. I quit. What's the point of going on if nobody's going to listen? What's the, point of, what's the point of continuing? What's the point of being faithful if nobody's paying attention, nobody wants to hear it, everybody's rejecting it? What's the point of going on? He said, I quit. But when he quit and when he sat down, then he began to realize there was something, he said there was a fire that was burning inside. And he said, I could not stay. I could not quit. He said, I had to, I had to get back up and I had to keep going. I had to keep doing it. What, what is it that makes the difference there? Look, let's, let's, let's be honest. We've all And, and, and I don't really, you know, I'm not even thinking about quitting. Great, don't think about it then. Praise the Lord, right? But there may come a time when things aren't going as great. Maybe there's somebody tonight that you're going through that right now. Things aren't going as great. And you're just like, you know what, maybe it's just, maybe it's better for me just to, to quit. Can I tell you tonight, don't quit. Don't quit. If you don't get anything else out of the message tonight, get those two words, don't quit. Don't quit. It's not worth it. Don't quit, right? Now watch what happens here. Notice, what is it that takes Paul from verse number six where he says, your blood be upon your hands, I'm clean, I'm going unto the Gentiles. And then in verse number 11, he continues there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. So what is it? Well, notice verse number 9. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. Be not afraid, but speak. And hold not thy peace, for I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. I want you to notice the first thing. Notice the comfort from the Lord. When Paul was discouraged and Paul was ready to quit, notice God comes and comforts him. Notice he says, be not afraid. Don't be afraid. Paul, don't, don't be afraid. Paul was afraid. Yeah, remember he said, remember in Acts chapter, or 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he says, in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, Paul was afraid. He was afraid of what was going to happen to him. 
He was afraid what's going what's to happen to the, the city, the ministry here. What, what's going to happen? He didn't know. And God says, hey, Paul, don't be afraid. Be not afraid. May I say tonight, no matter what enemies we face, and there are enemies we face, and sometimes we, we think those enemies are greater than our God. But can I say tonight, there's no enemy that you can face that is greater than our God. No enemy at all. God is greater than any enemy that we will ever come against. And this is what Paul, God is speaking to Paul. Paul, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Now, what I find really interesting is right after, right after Paul basically says, I'm done, the Bible says he goes to a guy's house that is right next to the synagogue, right? And in verse number seven, he departed thence and entered to a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshiped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. So Paul says, you know what? I'm done with you Jews. I'm done. I'm going to go to the Gentiles, right? And then he goes and he, he goes and he stays in this house by a man named Justice, which is right next to the synagogue. Well, guess what the synagogue was for? The synagogue wasn't for Gentiles. The synagogue was for who? The Jews, Synagogues for the Jews. And so he's right next to the, the synagogue. And what happens? Now, again, we're not told exactly all that's going on here, whether it was from what Paul said before or whether Paul was because Paul was right here. But look at verse number eight. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. Paul says, I'm done. God says, all right, Paul, why don't you go over here to the justice's house? All right, I'm going to go to justice's house. I'm done. I'm quitting. Guess where justice's house was? right next to the synagogue. I think probably something that happened in Paul's life was very similar to what happened in Jeremiah. Paul's like, I'm done, or Jeremiah's like, I'm done, I quit. And he sits down and he says, but there was a fire burning in me and I could not stay. And I don't know, I don't know what transpired there. I don't know if maybe that, that evening or the next day or something that maybe there was a knock on Justice's door and, and there's Crispus and, and he said, hey, could I, you know, I've been listening to some of the things that Paul's been saying. Could I, could I, speak, with, uh, can I speak with Paul? Uh, you know, or maybe, maybe Paul's out taking a walk and Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, sees him and he says, hey, Paul, could I ask you some questions? I don't know what transpired, but somehow... Crispus begins to talk to Paul, and Paul begins to share the gospel with Crispus, and Crispus believes. And then not only does Crispus believe, but the Bible says that his household believes, people in his house believed, and then many of the Corinthians believed. Why? Because he just couldn't quit. He couldn't quit. And this is why Paul, God is speaking to Paul. He's saying, Paul, don't be afraid. You, you, just, you just do what I have called you to do. You keep going, you keep preaching, you keep teaching. I think this is what encouraged Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 9. He said, Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Joshua, don't worry, don't be afraid. I'm going to be, I'm going to be with you. There's that, there's that comfort. He says, don't be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Why? Well, notice the second thing we find. There's a command from God. He says, don't be afraid. And then he says, but speak and hold not thy peace. God says, you've got to, you've got to keep going, Paul. You've got to keep preaching. You've got to keep telling others about the Lord Jesus Christ. Look, what just happened? You said you were done. And then what happened? 
I brought Christmas to you and Christmas believes and his household believes, what would have happened if you would have just completely quit and said, I'm not going to talk to anybody? Christmas wouldn't have ever believed. He never would have gotten saved. His house would have never gotten saved. Those in his house would never have gotten saved. Paul, you've got to realize this is much bigger than you. Many times the reason why we want to quit is because we think it's all about us. We've got to realize it's much bigger than us. Yes, can I tell you, there are going to be those that reject and there are going to be those that don't want to listen and there are going to be those that will criticize and those that will oppose just like they were with Paul. But there's comfort in knowing. He says, be not afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Our God is greater than any enemy that we'll ever face. And there's a command. Go ahead, keep speaking. Keep speaking. You keep telling others about Jesus Christ. Speak and hold not thy peace. Can I tell you something? There are still Christmases. There are still Christmases that need to be saved. You say, where are they? I don't know, but God does. Remember this morning when I said God has you in a specific place for a specific reason? God has you at your job. God has you in your neighborhood. God has you where he has you for a reason. Why? Because there's somebody there that God wants you to be a witness and a testimony to. You think it was just by chance that Paul ended up in Justice's house? Next to the synagogue? Where Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, needed to hear the gospel. I don't think that was just by chance. I think God ordained that. God had him there because he knew there was a man that needed for him to preach. That's why he says at the end of verse number 10, he says, for I have much people in this city. There's much people. There's, there's more that need to be saved. There's more that are wanting to know. Yeah, sometimes it's discouraging. Sometimes people don't get saved like we wish they would. Sometimes family members or friends or co-workers or neighbors or whatever, they may not respond the way we want them to respond. You know what he says? Don't quit. Don't quit. It's through that weakness. It's through that fear. It's through that trembling. God says, that's when I'm able to take my strength and use that through you if you'll just let me. He says there's comfort and there's the command. Speak. But here's what I think is really important. And I think this is where Paul, Jeremiah, what really enabled them to go on. Notice what he says in verse 10. For I am with thee. For I am with thee. Now, we know, right? We know Matthew chapter 28, 19 and 20, right? Go ye therefore and teach... All nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command to you. And lo, I am with you even unto the end of the world, right? And we, we've heard that before, right? But do we really believe it? We've heard, oh, Jesus, Jesus, never leave you, never forsake you. But let's face it, there are some times when we just don't believe that he's with us. There's just sometimes that we just don't think that he's really there. And no doubt, when you think about what Paul's going through, Paul says, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid. I, I've seen all that's going on, all these places I've been kicked out of, run out. These people I haven't wanted to hear. They've stoned me. They've beaten me. They've imprisoned me. God, are you really with me? 
God, are you really here? He says, Paul, for I am with thee. No man shall set on thee to hurt thee. He says, Paul, I'm going to be right there with you. It's interesting, in Proverbs 16, verse 7, he says, When the Lord is with us, he makes even our enemies to be at peace with us. Even our enemies to be at peace. Now, I'm not saying that every, every enemy that you have is always going to be nice to you. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying as long as we continue to be faithful, as long as we are being obedient to God, we have no idea what that faithfulness is going to do in the heart of that person who may be against us. That continuing faithfulness, that continuing to, to preach and teach the gospel. He says, I'm with you. There's companionship. If you go to the book of 2 Timothy, I think it is, over 2 Timothy. Paul's alone again. And he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. And he says in verse 16, At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge. So he says, here's opposition again. Alexander the coppersmith, he's opposing. He's talking all kinds of crazy things. He's opposing me, and God's, he says, God's going to deal with him. I, I know that. God's going to deal with him. And he says, I, I'm warning you about him. And he says, at first, no man stood with me. All men forsook me. That's encouraging. Right? Nobody's standing with me. Everybody's forsaking me. But notice what he says in verse 17. This is what Paul learned. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. And, what's that next word? Strengthened me. The Lord stood with me and strengthened me, and that by me the preaching might be fully known, that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. He said, hey, man, opposition, persecution, I was forsaken. Those that were dear to me, they left. I mean, you think about all these things. He says, Demas forsook me. He loved the things of the present world. He said, everybody's gone. Nobody's standing with me. But here, he said, let me tell you something. The Lord stood with me. The Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Many times we think that weakness is not good, but when we understand spiritually, when we realize, look, I can't do it. I am, I am not adequate. I am not capable of doing it. That's when God says, all right, good. You're at the right spot. You see, what a lot of times we don't realize is that uh, we think that's an excuse for God not to use us. Well, I've just, I just don't know what to say, and, and I just feel inadequate, and, and I just don't think I could teach a class, and I just don't think I could do this. Now, friend, what you don't understand is you are setting yourself up for God to use you. <laughs> That's what you're doing. Because God is looking for those who are weak. God is saying, hey, I'm looking for those who, who do not think that it's all about them, that they're willing to let me strengthen them, they're willing to let me use them. Are we willing to let God use us? That companionship? It's really interesting, even what he says here. He says, Paul, I'm going to make sure that you're taken care of. I find it interesting when you go down, you keep reading in verse number 12, it says, And when Gallio was the deputy of Achaia, the Jews made insurrection with one accord against Paul. So Paul's been here in Corinth for a year and a half or so. 
this new guy comes on the scene, Gallio, who's the deputy, who's kind of the governor of Achaia. The Jews have made an insurrection against Paul. They brought him to the judgment seat. They brought him to Gallio, saying, This fellow persuadeth men to worship God contrary to the law. When Paul was now about to open his mouth, Gallio said unto the Jews, If it were a matter of wrong or wicked lewdness, O ye Jews, reason what that I should bear with you. But if it be a question of words and names and of your law, look ye to it, for I will be no judge of such matters. And he drave them from the judgment seat. So they've brought Paul to, to Gallio, who's kind of like the governor of this area where they're at, of Achaia. And the Jews are trying to accuse him before the governor and say, hey, he's teaching contrary to the law and things. And, and basically, Gallio says, look, what, what is going on here? This is, this is not about breaking the law or anything like this. This is just about your religious customs. And he says, I'm not going to have any part of this. And watch what happens. They, they drive them out from the judgment seat. And then watch what's in verse 17. Then all the Greeks took Sosthenes, the chief ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat. And Gallio cared for none of those things. And then after this, Paul tarried there a good while, then took his leave of the brethren. So Paul stays around a little bit, then leaves. But notice what happens. This, this, Gallo, this Gallio, he sends them all out. He says, hey, I, want, I don't want to have anything to do with this. Well, they take Sosthenes who was at this point now the, the chief ruler of the synagogues. We're not sure what happened to Crispus or where he's at, but Sosthenes is now the chief ruler of the synagogue, and Sosthenes is one that seems to be opposing Paul as well. He's part of one of those Jews that brought Paul before them, and, well, now that they've been made to look like fools, they're pretty upset with Sosthenes, and so what do they do? They take Sosthenes out, and they beat him. They beat the guy half to death. Now, if, if we were like Paul, we'd be like, ha-ha, sucker, you know, you thought you were gonna you thought you were gonna get this insurrection against me, you know, you thought you were gonna be able to do this. Ha ha. Look at you. Look at you just got beat, boy. I mean, you got beat down. And we'd be like, yeah, go ahead. This is just God judging you, right? But what if what if after this beating that Sosthenes endures, who was probably the biggest enemy against Paul that was leading this insurrection against him. After this man has gotten beaten, what do you think would have happened if Paul would have went to him and tried to show compassion to him? What do you think would have happened if Paul would have went to him and after this guy had gotten beaten, tried to share Christ with him? You think maybe... Maybe the guy might have gotten saved when he sees that Paul's not really against him, but he's actually for him. So it's, that's a nice story, but it didn't really happen that way. Or did it? Look over in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Remember, as Paul is writing to the church of Corinth, and he says... There in chapter 2, he's like, hey, I was with you, and I was in fear, and I was in trembling, and I was in weakness, right? As he's writing to the church of Corinth. But notice in chapter 1, when he addresses the church. In chapter 1, verse number 1, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother, under the church of God, which is at Corinth. Now, I can't prove to you 
that's the same Sosthenes that we just read about in Acts. But boy, it seems very similar. Now, Paul is writing to the church of Corinth, and there was a guy named Sosthenes that was opposing him, and now Paul is talking about a Sosthenes that is our brother. You see, you never know whether there's going to be a Crispus, whether there's going to be a Sosthenes who might be your greatest opposition, or a Crispus who just happened to be by, or maybe it's a family member of Crispus that needs to hear the gospel. You just never know. And this is why God tells Jeremiah, this is why God tells Joshua, this is why God tells Paul, this is why God speaks to us. He says, hey, be not afraid. Hey, there's comfort. God says, you don't have to be afraid. Look, none of us are adequate to do what God wants us to do. None of us are. God's not looking for somebody with special qualifications to say, okay, if you meet these qualifications, that means I can use you. No, that's not what he's looking for. He's looking for somebody who's afraid. He's looking for somebody who doesn't think that they know all the answers. He's looking for someone who is, uh, man, when they get up that first time, their knees are knocking together, they're shaking, they're trembling. God, I just, I, I need you through this, God, because I can't do this. That's who God's looking for. There is strength when we are weak. That's why later on, if you look in 2 Corinthians, you look in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, when Paul speaks about this thorn in the flesh that he has, in verse number 8, he says, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me, And he, God, said unto me, Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in, what's that next word? What is it? Weakness. My strength, God says, is made perfect in weakness. I'm glad (laughs) that there's strength in weakness. I'm glad God's not looking for the strongest, the brightest, the most brilliant. God's looking for the weak. God's looking for somebody who just says, God, I I don't have all the answers. I don't know what to do. God, I know you do. And this is why Paul says, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. Paul says, I'm going to glory in these things. Not that I enjoy them. It's not that he's enjoying the persecution and the distress and all these different things. No, he's, I don't think there's any enjoyment there, but he says, I will endure those things. He says, I'll glory in them for Christ's sake. Why? For when I am what? What? Weak. Then am I strong. Then am I strong. There's strength in weakness. I remember a story when my wife and I were in uh, Peru before we got married. We were with a college group there. 
and they introduced us to one of the preacher boys that was there. It wasn't a boy, he was a grown man. And uh, I don't even know if my wife remembers this or not, but his name was Aldo Osto. Not a name most people would know, but Aldo Osto was a member of the Communist Party in Peru. And he opposed religion. He blew up buildings. I mean, he was not a good guy. But one of the Peruvian pastors met him one day and shared the gospel with him, and Aldo Osto got saved and became a missionary. A guy that had cared nothing about God, murdered people, blew up buildings, got saved. I think of John Newton. Many of us may know the story of John Newton who wrote the song Amazing Grace, who was involved in slave trafficking. If we would think of the lowest of the low, we think, man, somebody that's involved in slave trafficking ended up through that, ended up becoming a slave himself, met the Lord, became a preacher, wrote a song that's still being sung today, probably one of the most popular Christian hymns in the world today, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I think, I think John Newton understood what he was talking about when he saved a wretch like me. My, my dad can tell you. There was a pastor in, in Uganda, Eliab. Huh. Eliab was a prisoner. My brother, Matt, met him in prison. Won him to the Lord. Went through discipleship with him. He was a prisoner. In a Ugandan prison. Got saved. Went through discipleship, got out, went through their Bible Institute, became a preacher. Elliot was with the Lord now. He, he died, but became a preacher. You see, we have no idea who the next Crispus is going to be. We have no idea who the next Sosthenes is going to be. We have no idea who the next John Newton might be or the next Aldo Osto. Who's that next one going to be? We'll never know if we quit. We'll never know if we just stop. We'll be like, hey, I'm just going to throw in the towel. It's not worth it. No, friend, look, understand. Look, we all, we all face fear. We all face weakness. We all face trembling. We're uncertain. We all face those things. But that's, that's when God says, that's when I can use you. We're just willing to let him use us. Don't ever think that because I'm not up to par of what God expects I, I, I'm not accomplished. I, I, don't, I don't have all the right words. God says, that's okay. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for weakness so that I can fill you with my strength. Are we willing to let God use us? When we talk about be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, that's what we're talking about. Strength and weakness. Problem is sometimes we're just so full of pride, we don't even think that we're weak. We're not afraid of anything. We're not afraid. I can do it. <laughs> I says, all right, give it a shot. And what happens? It doesn't go so well. But I can remember, I, I remember many, many of these guys that are teaching classes and couples that are working and things. I remember talking to them and I said, hey, would you pray about teaching a Sunday school class? 
You could see the fear just come all over their face. No, I, I, I don't think I could do that. And now look at them, teaching, preaching. Why? Not because of them. Because God is able to give us strength and weakness if we're just willing to empty ourselves and really admit, God, I don't, I don't have the answers. I don't know what it all is, but God, if you'll, if you'll strengthen me, I'll do it. I'll keep going. Verse 6, he says, your blood be upon your own heads. But in verse 11, he continues a year and six months teaching the word of God. Why? Because there was comfort from the Lord. He said, be not afraid. There's a command, speak. And there's companionship. I am with thee. Don't ever forget that. God says, don't worry. Don't be afraid. I've got it taken care of. You do what I've told you to do. You keep speaking. You keep telling. You keep talking about Jesus. Keep pointing people to Jesus. And don't ever forget, I'm right there with you every step of the way. Father, I pray you'd help us, Lord. We need your strength. But Lord, the only way we can truly allow your strength to be enabled in our life is when we are weak. When we do admit that we don't have all the answers. And Lord, I don't know any person's heart tonight. Lord, maybe there is somebody that's just discouraged and they just feel like nothing's going right. Maybe there's been some opposition. Maybe they're having some issues, some family problems or job problems, financial problems. I don't know. Maybe they've been thinking like Jeremiah and like Paul. You know what? It's just, I'm done. Lord, I pray you just encourage them tonight. Lord, let them know they're, they're not the only ones that have faced this time. Paul said, I, I was with you in much fear and trembling and weakness. It was through God strengthening him that he was able to keep going. That Crispus was able to be saved and those of his house were able to be saved and Sosthenes was able to be saved and Lord, so many others. As we've mentioned tonight, John Newton and Aldo Osto and Eliab and so many others that got saved because somebody kept giving the gospel. Lord, help us to realize that we can glory in our infirmities and the stresses and the persecutions for Christ's sake that your strength would be seen through our weakness. Lord, I pray that you would truly help us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I wonder tonight if we'll just stand to our feet with our heads bound and our eyes closed. The piano's just going to begin playing softly this evening. Maybe tonight God's just spoken to your heart about something.